the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody who's I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get my way. Hello and welcome to episode 261 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Alex Jones and Jack Harper back in our usual Monday slot this week and back with the four of us so plenty to get into as I always say we've got news of the week we will talk about Spurs and uh, the likelihood of them going out of the conference league Aubameyang breaching uh, Arteta's non-negotiables and uh, who's more at fault there we'll do a little bit on Everton and uh, Rafa Benitez's rise to power and then UFC 269 so if we start with news of the week, as I said, actually worth mentioning now, uh, if you're tuning in for any sport next week, it's unlikely to be there. It will be our yearly Christmas special that will be done next week. And if all goes to plan, it should be the first video episode that appears on your Spotify as well. So if I get that all sorted by then, you'll also see our faces pop up like we're uh, Joe Rogan or something. But anyway, news of the week to start with. Fall on walk from bed to desk is a workplace accident, German court rules. So for anyone working from home, where there's blame, there's a claim. That's, I could just throw myself into a wall. <laughs> oh, your work should have got your house sorted then. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mumbai court convicts 33-year-old for showing middle finger to 66-year-old woman. I wonder what the charge was. I wonder what she did. Yeah. Um, hot under the collar. Police say man used flamethrower to settle parking dispute. <laughs> Sounds like GTA, isn't it? Where yeah. you're your bored driving around and some like, NPC just fucks you off. You just get out the flamethrower and just think you know what you're I, I'm, I'm just picturing uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he comes out of the shed with his flamethrower. <laughs> um, police officers suspended over slip and slide at training academy. <laughs> New boss walks in, sees you all oiled up and then a little skid down the corridor. Um, top Microsoft Excel experts will battle it out in an esports-like competition this weekend. So if you're bored, maybe uh, if you'd rather watch that than two core ball jack, there's uh, an alternative for you. Um, I thought I was going to die. Man attacked by 20 otters during morning walk in Singapore Park. 
That you must feel so humiliated getting thrown in by what was. That's it, I was just about to say, it kind of feeds into our like chats before of how many of this animal do you think you could take? It's not otters. <laughs> I'd fancy myself against 20 otters. <laughs> have, you seen, right, have you seen how bloody vicious otters are? I'll be honest. I mean, have like, you seen how vicious I can be? I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't fancy these otters when I'm in a bad mood. What if they get you in the water? What if they What if they get you on there to yeah, yeah, drag you out of drowning? Yeah, I'd be clever enough to not play to their tactics. I could, I'd, I'd foresee what they were trying to do, and I'd be like, nope. Come you on say that, that, Jack. Something I actually uh, excluded from news of the week this week, but I'll tell you now: a woman was a woman was killed by by a sheep this week. Wow, one. I mean, I look at the sheep. Well, I didn't and... read any further. I thought, is this a bit too bleak to go into? I can't you know, look at it. I think... People dying in a bat of soup, so maybe not. Sheep's are kind of dark horses, really, when you look at it, because no, that's that's a hell of a quote. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> when they run and butt you, or from what I've seen on videos and just general sheepiness around Matson, I, I wouldn't fancy myself at all. <laughs> he's backing himself against the twenty-six otters. But a, sheep come, a sheep comes up and he's getting a bit worried. Honestly, I reckon I reckon it'd be easier to take down a pig than it would a sheep. I imagine an otter to be like one of them little things um, that just kind of go up and down in Crash Bandicoot. Like they're bouncy, you just jump on their back <laughs> and then they just like flip upside down and, and, and they're done for. Um, you've got you've got a bit of experience in taking down pigs, haven't you, Luke? Why don't you tell Jack? <laughs> Not, not as much as Alex, so uh, I might defer there. I mean, Alex is in uproar about Jack. I think he's forgetting he's in a fight with a cheater. So he seems to be forgetting I, I, I his own fancy, position. I fancy getting into a scrap with a single cheater over... 26 hours. Well, actually, yeah. cheating, you, You'd back yourself against one cheater other than... Over 20 otters, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I, I, feel, I feel like you're forgetting how big otters can grow to and 20 of them. I take on an otter over Alex's microphone. (laughs) (laughs) The next headline, actually, um, this woman thought she was buying a miniature pet. Now she has a 250 kilogram pig. (laughs) That's what what you get. You think this this micro pig thing is the the consequence. There's a joke to be had here, isn't there, really? (laughs) I'm sure there is, um, but we wouldn't go that low. Was it basically called marriage? <laughs> there's one for one of those joke but uh, joke books you get at the table present at Christmas. I don't. You have to hit at least thirty-five before you can make jokes like that, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, you must be this old to say this joke. Um, Same with mother-in-law jokes. <laughs> Governor condemns tweet offering a bounty on teachers. <laughs> remember? Do you remember there was a brief spell in school? I remember um, rape my teacher being a thing that had appeared. Um, I think we had a new teacher join and uh, someone looking it up, but I think this was probably for the people that weren't too mischievous. That was their way of getting back at the teachers. Around, around the same time as like uh, Rate My Poo was a thing. I was about to say, were they like going along side by side? I remember... Oh, poo, poo button being a thing as well. I think that was uh, <laughs> on DT lessons. Yeah, I think um, that was around the time of the slag list as well. The gloss. <laughs> yeah, which I actually ended up on there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, woman delivered her own baby in a car travelling at 60 miles an hour. She That's saw the woman so. on the bike the other week that just rode into hospital to go into labour. 
And it was like, boy, have I got a story for you. Next time you hear a woman giving it stacks about giving birth, just, oh, well, look. I don't know someone's... if she was driving. It's more impressive if she was driving. These are the facts Otherwise, we need to know. Like, give birth on a train that's going faster. Like, it will feel just like the same and you're more impressive. <laughs> Do you mind? Um, this is the quiet carriage. Can you? <laughs> that was quietly made. Uh, in need of a baby boom, China clamps down on vasectomies. I feel like they've got to pick a side here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And finally, it is the three-year anniversary of the last wing bowl in which Molly Schuler set the record for the most wings eaten in 30 minutes. Alex, would you like to give me a prediction of how many wings she consumed in 30 minutes? Oh, 112. TK and Jack, do you want to give me a rough estimate? Were they spicy or were they just giraffes? They were chicken wings. That's all I, that's all I can give you. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're quite small. I'm, I'm going to go with two. And- 162. She's American, so you are all wrong. 501 chicken wings. In oh, my goodness. <laughs> the speed with which she must have got through it, apart from anything, yeah. in 30 minutes. I'm just having a quick look so I can see what uh, she looks like. I'm going to say I not petite. Uh, I haven't got my hopes up, no. Um, no, she's you know quite what? skinny. She's actually very skinny. Jeez. But she also has stretched out ears, which is always a sign of, I should probably avoid you. <laughs> what? This is like a little delve into your psyche here. What? When you see those people and they have their massive holes in their ears. Oh, oh right. I didn't... Got you, yeah. Got you. yeah. She's also got a mohawk, so like... There was they, a lot of red flags here that this woman could probably get some wings down there. Taking down 500 wings isn't a red flag. People oh, used to yeah. take great pleasure in taking the stretches out of their ears and telling you that, look, it's, it stinks like cheese. Oh, who are you hanging around with? I remember some people putting pencils in there. So what are you proving here? What are you showing off for? Yeah. I'm supposed <laughs> to be impressed by this. But anyway. No, okay, it's not disgusting. Really... And then I'll pop like a tennis ball yeah. for it. You're like, how are you, <laughs> are you going to tell me that? All right, so as we come to the end of a chaotic week for Tottenham Hotspur, seeing uh, them have a game against Wren postponed, game against Brighton and Hove Albion postponed, also because of a COVID-19 outbreak at the club. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty about what's going on. Like I know Spurs were actually included in the draw that went on to the uh, company playoffs uh, earlier today, but it is believed it's likely going to be settled in a 3-0 loss, but we'll get to that. This will be one of them if I kind of just run you through the facts and then uh, we'll go from there. So the players, obviously, that have tested positive must isolate for 10 days after their first positive test. So I think it's eight first-team players in the end that tested positive would be just about eligible to play this Thursday. But the majority will still be isolating and it does look like that game's probably going to be postponed. Um, I know today the game, the under-23s are supposed to be playing Arsenal. And that's just being postponed as well because there's been some more positive tests. Although I believe the training ground is supposed to open up Wednesday, maybe. Um, there's been kind of a three-way diplomatic incident in the Europa Conference League just to add a bit of spice to it. Um, Wren put out a big statement, essentially. I mean, some Spurs fans have taken this really personally. Like they're saying they, they don't care about the players. Effectively, they say they contacted Spurs to ask them what was going on. Spurs said, we're still going to be playing the game. 
they waited for Wren to travel all the way to London, get off, check into the hotel, and then say, yeah, we're not playing it before they'd even spoken to UEFA, um, effectively putting UEFA in a certain position. Because of this, Wren say, well, we're here now. We're playing the game whether you like it or not. And that's kind of what forced uh, UEFA's hand into getting here. Um, Vitesse then asked to postpone their match against Mura because they said these games should be played unilaterally. They should be able to know what's going on as uh, their place in the next round was at stake too. UEFA rejected that. Vitesse, however, did play the game. They went 3-1. And so as it stands, they would be second in the group with Spurs needing to also get a win to go through. Um, Internally at Spurs, there isn't such a desire to get out of the competition like... uh, I would say, I don't think TK would mind me saying, there's been some uh, cup sides that Klopp has fielded. I remember one against Everton, I think, where it was, you're essentially saying, please, please <laughs> knock us out here. He tried it against Arsenal and then Arsenal, Arsenal. Um, <laughs> but essentially, since Conte's arrival, there's kind of been a change in the way Spurs are looking at this competition. Um, Spurs have got a couple of wins together and so the turnaround and results mean that the priority is a top four finish. Under Nuno, a lot of uh, his job and the way that he was being uh, reflected on was going to be because of this competition. I don't think they expected Spurs to be quite so bad in the league and to upset the players as he did. So the priority is kind of flipped on its head here. Um, UEFA have come out and said the match will not be rescheduled because a new date that works for both clubs could not be found before the December 33rd deadline. Um, Spurs and the FA said they have no room for it with the Premier League fixtures. Um, even if they were to then push for a slight delay, you've got the winter break in France, so they couldn't slot it in there. Um, UEFA say that a decision will be reached and the result will be determined by UEFA's control ethics and disciplinary body in the coming days, and it's believed that will be sorted by Friday. Um, all info does kind of point at this stage to the fact that because it's whether Spurs like it to be said this way or not, because it's kind of their fault, they're the ones delaying the game, the onus is on them to get it rearranged, and so that's why they'll likely be awarded a 3-0 defeat. Um, if I go to you first, TK, and then I'll uh, whip round to you, Alex, if you were Spurs here, if you were on the board, do you think Spurs would have a better chance at winning the Conference League compared to the FA or Carabao Cup? Because Spurs are in the quarterfinals now of the Carabao Cup as well. It's true. But you... Uh... If it's a case of just, we want a trophy. Yeah. I think you, you should still win the Conference League, shouldn't you? you in, in theory, you shouldn't run into too many good teams there. Whereas in the Carabao, I know there's some good teams yeah, gone out, but you, you can still run into some good teams. Yeah. So I would, I would still, it'd still give you a slightly better chance at the Conference League, even though they're at the latter stages of the Carabao. So Alex, as, as an expectation for you as a Spurs fan, when you look into how Spurs are dealing with this, are you expecting them to be fighting tooth and nail and say, hang on a minute, we haven't gone out for sporting reasons. We deserve at least a shot to play our way into the next round. Or is it, this might be a blessing, more time on the training ground with Conte and we push for top four instead. Not that uh, they need to be individual. 
So I think that the attitude in the club is more likely swaying to not really being that fussed about getting booted out of the tournament, um, which I can understand. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think that's probably the best thing for us at the moment in terms of prioritising um, prioritizing the other competitions because ultimately, again, like I, I need to stress that I don't agree with this at all. I don't think it's not the attitude I would want them to have, but I think a few of the performances in the Europa Conference League have suggested that the players aren't really that interested. Uh, they don't want the travel time and it just it's just not really up for it. Um, the teams he puts out indicates the manager doesn't feel that way, though. Yeah, but well, that's the thing. Know, he the can, team's the manager, been pretty good. That's what, yeah. I mean. that's what I mean. He's but saying that he doesn't think the player's that interested. I think the manager is. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's so you've got a conflict that, there. I think Conte's probably going to get to a point where he's realised that, you know, he, the players aren't, the, the hearts aren't in it. In an arrogant kind of way, I think a lot of those players think they're above it. Um, yeah. So he's got to he's got to make a decision. As good as manager as he is, he's got to make a decision without using losing the change room on what he wants to prioritise. Um, I don't think you're right that you know the standard of the tournament. Yes, there are a few good teams in there. Um, we should be in contention for winning it. Um, but at the same time, it's you know the club's got to look at it com- like the complete the complete picture of it. I mean, does winning it does it does it take you forward as a club? I mean, I, I can't even remember what. If you win it, does it? You get in the Europa. You, you, if you win it, you go into what the Europa League. Just yeah, the Europa, yeah. It, it's kind it's of like I, yeah. Um, it, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, he's looking down his nose at it. It's yeah. it's not. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I just think the clubs maybe looking at the slight sway and momentum in the Premier League, they're looking at the other cups in the in terms of the FA Cup and the 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 League Cup and they're just it it what would it it's what would mean more to the fans and then weighing up against the foreign travel, the risk of, you know, getting other outbreaks in the squad from other foreign travel back and forth, getting quarantining issues because it seems to be going south a little bit at the moment and then losing because what what they don't want to happen is to continue in the conference league get penalised for another COVID outbreak or some form of lockdown procedure when they're coming back from foreign travel if they get caught out by, which will penalise them in a Premier League or Cup game, which they want to prioritise more. So I just think when you weigh up the morale of the squad with the tournament, the logistics involved and what they potentially want to prioritise more, it's it's an easy cop-out for us at the moment. Let me, but, let me, bring, let me bring Jack in a second. Jack, do you think... This is quite a convenient way to go out for Spurs. Obviously, they aren't doing well as well in it as as they are. They need to beat Wren to go through. You think on a list of things that are going to be held against Spurs at the end of the season, it's probably a better way to go out than it is to go out in a group with Mura, Vitesse, and Wren. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think like with as squad as small as Spurs as well, that you come towards the business end of the season if they're wanting to get like a head of steam up and challenge for any kind of European places next season. To be travelling away all over Europe for cup, it doesn't really mean anything if they do get round, if they got through this round, say, it's not really going to be beneficial to them. I think Conte would much rather be able to drill his players like he likes to for a week's... <laughs> for a, I'm, I'm going to finish that by saying for a week straight, 
Um, <laughs> no wonder Kane's looking a bit leggy. <laughs> <laughs> um, ready, ready for the weekend's fixtures. I mean, look what he did at Chelsea when we didn't have European football. So I think he's going to much prefer that. And you don't get any of the, haha, you got knocked out. It's just kind of like, well, it is what it is. Alternatively, though, is it not a is it not a competition where, when you're not playing well in the league and you're having some ups and downs in form, where you can you can increase spirits by battering some minnow side, you you bring in more revenue for the stadium, which is a thing that Spurs need to be doing by uh, selling tickets there. And someone like Kane, does Kane not need all the minutes he can to kind of get himself back scoring again? I think it's rocking a hard place, isn't it? Because if they seem to be caring too much about this trophy, every, they get laughed at. If they, if they yeah, feel, you can't win. If, they if they we're in there next season, I'm fully embracing it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. If they, if they feel a weakened team and get beaten by the test, then they get laughed at again. And the problem is as well is that even if they went all the way and won this trophy... Who are they going to brag about it to? Like, no one will care. Well, I think they'll do the Chelsea they'll just, and they'll just say European Cup. I, I put the Carabao Cup above this by quite some way. Well, so you, like, think, oh, yeah, do sure. you think it's more difficult to win the Carabao Cup? Yeah, 100% because Man City are in it and they always win it. No, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, the no. The boys but, are left in it. But still, I, I definitely there's harder teams in the Carabao and I think it's more... Spurs have got West Ham. More prestigious as well. So I think... If Spurs could choose, I'd rather win the Carabao than win this. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you'd think if they were desperate to win the Carabao that they wouldn't put Ryan Mason in charge for a final. Um, I mean, so that, I'm not sure how much they do care about the Carabao, to be honest. That is still one of the weirdest things ever. You've got like, <laughs> cup final manager, no matter what you think of him, you're still a cup final manager versus a guy that's never managed before. I think every game Mourinho goes forward, uh, every job he goes for, they should bring that up and say honestly, how bad was it? Because they shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> this shouldn't be happening. And then I even, I enjoy even more that Joe said, well, I didn't lose it, so I'm claiming half a medal there, he said, I think. <laughs> so, do we think Conte's as indifferent as Spurs appear to be? I know he was quite angry at the prospect of uh, the game potentially going ahead, but was that because of the lack of players more than kind of the principle there? Because like we brought up, he, he played a strong enough side against Mura and in the game before against the Tess um, to suggest that he was taking it seriously, whether it was to be getting fitness in, because no matter what they're doing on the training ground, nothing's going to replicate doing it in a game. I, I don't know. I think Conte, he had an opportunity to kind of chuck it to the side when he came in and the way they begged to get him, I'm not sure they'd have uh, put up too much of a fight with him and asked what he was doing. I think he's going to be quite good the way that uh, this is going down. I think it's he'll probably view it as, would have been viewing it as an easy win, I think. I think he would have been seen as what? Well. You can get this under the belt. If, if I'm going to have to be in it anyway, then I may as well win it, I think is the feeling. I guess the, the general feeling, whether rightly or wrongly, I think there's a feeling that fourth place in the league is kind of like a vacant throne. But yeah. the rest of these teams are going to be chasing now. Um, well, you pick up two wins and suddenly, like, yeah, exactly. We pick the, up three games, and people now expect us to be getting in the top four. 
people probably arrogantly think West Ham will drop. Um, they think, and then people at United, Arsenal, and Spurs would all think, well, we got a shocker of a start to the year and we're still in contention. So, to go back to your earlier point, I guess at Spurs they're thinking, well, look, if we can wipe out Thursday nights, then we'll have a better crack at it. I, don't, I do feel like, are we in just like some sort of Groundhog Day where Spurs think it's a choice between a European competition or having a dig at a trophy and just achieving neither? They just constantly showing... seem to be in this, having this debate as to which one's more important, but not winning either. So it doesn't really matter. Would anyone say that West Ham have a deeper squad than Spurs? No, I don't think so, would they? Because they're, they're playing better sides on a Thursday. They're still yeah. a decent side out and they're still they're still competing they're the at advert, an extremely high level. They're the advert for the people that suggest that momentum and success breeds success, isn't it? They're the advert for it where you go, they don't really rotate much because they can't. Um well, they, they gave a few it's to the younger lads in the game in the last one, but it was a dead rubber, wasn't it? So it's where, where that it's where that arrogance comes in, though, isn't it? In terms of the Spurs players, you're right about some of your players. Yeah, that's what yeah it's, it, it, the, the Spurs. Yeah, but that's it's not a quick fix. And Spurs, Spurs are going to be in a competition where they think they're above. Well, certain players will think they're above it, and they're not that interested in it. Whereas West Ham are at the complete other end of the table in the Europa League, being in a Euro competi- European competition that they haven't been in for some time, and they want to have a decent dig at it. Um, and also the Moran... didn't treat the Europa League like West Ham are. No, no, but that, that's again... No, they thought they were above that at the time, didn't they? Yeah, but they, <laughs> they, came down, they came down from the Champions League life again. So it's, it's you know, you're at opposite ends of the spectrum. It's... it's I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I completely disagree with it. I think that the... I think that each every single Spurs player should be trying to win every single game, every single game that they're in, every single competition they're in, because we haven't got the luxury of picking a trophy that we want to win. We've got to try and make the most of every competition that we're in. But unfortunately, like, and then, like, you, you, I'll, ask you this. I'll yeah, ask you this before we um, move on. So I think, do you, or do you think this will be one of them where it's going to appear more of a bigger miss come the end of the season? Say, you end the season and whether you get top four or just outside it but with no trophies do you not think everyone at the club's going to say Ooh. when it's when it when it the the two teams in the final probably aren't going to be a glamorous mix and I think Spurs are going to be sat there looking at that going you know what that's that's quite a big miss I, I think for sure if we get to end the season and there were the silverwares on the table and and we're not in the Champions League spot, I think they'll definitely be looking at them going, we missed a trick there, in the exact same way that we did when we booted Jersey at the job before the uh, League Cup final. I it's think similar. if you come top four, you're going to look at whoever's in that final and think... No, maybe. no, no, no I, reckon if, I, I reckon if we get top four without a cup, they won't look at going out of that Conference League as a, as a disappointment just with... I genuinely think that the cl- certain players in that club, for sure, and certain figures in that club will value a Champions League slot to have a run at the Champions League again next season over winning the Europa Conference League because the only thing that they'll see that as at its best is maybe a bit of silverware, which they can show about a little bit, but not with great pride, and also a gateway to the Europa League. I just, I just like. If you put if you put it on a pedestal right now, if you put them both side by side, they pick the Champions League spot over a silverware. 
which is crazy. So it doesn't need it's, to be one or the other. I mean, Leicester are now the Leicester are now the bookies' favourites to win the Conference League, as as they should be. They shouldn't actually dropping out from the Europa. Top top four favourites. Are they? They, they, they the League now? Are they? I didn't, Spurs I didn't, are still in there until yeah they dropped down. From don't the, don't the, feel bad. Neither did Brendan. Don't worry. I so. didn't, <laughs> so I didn't even know, know that. His quote on that is phenomenal. Didn't know what the competition is. Leicester, Marseille, Roma, and Spurs are the four favourites to win the competition. I mean, this probably goes some way to answering your question about whether Spurs will regret at the end of the season. I think the tournament probably needs in the final two teams that are going to sort of legitimise it. So if you had a, I don't know... If we had Leicester Roma, Marseille, you'd look at that like that's... Pretty, exactly. That's if you had a Roma-Leicester final or whatever, I think you'd be looking at that thinking this gives the competition some credence. If you have a situation where a team is... At least one team, if not two teams, that are just Ross are in the final this competition is going to be viewed like it was back in the summer where we're like, what the fuck is this they're talking about? I'm I'm still going to view it where if you got into the competition by coming out of the one above, you shouldn't be celebrating winning it. And I stand by that. Well, it's it an even more... When Chelsea celebrated winning the Europa after <laughs> dropping out of the Champions League. It's like, it, same, with, same with United, and that's what made it so much sweeter when, um, when they've lost in it previously. It's just so horrible. These teams drop down and then they win and then they celebrate and claim a trophy. So I don't know, man. You shouldn't have been in there to begin with. Let's face it, it's an even more extreme version as well. You think if you're dropping out of the Europa, you really don't yeah. deserve a safety net of another competition. I've had the Europa theme just stuck in my head. Yeah, ever since you tweeted it, they then get stuck in my head. I was just walking around going, <laughs> Love it. So All right, let's move on. So, controversy is never too far away from uh, Arsenal Football Club. And after Pierre Emerick Aubameyang was left out of the 3 0 win over Southampton, um, Arteta had a lot of questions to answer. Um, if we go back to Monday night in the Everton game, Aubameyang was benched. He then came on as the final substitute behind Eddie and Ketia. Um, he then wasn't in the squad. The game on Saturday, Arteta was questioned before the game, and he straight came out and said it was a disciplinary breach. He wouldn't reveal any more information at the time, kind of gave the impression that he'd go into it more after the game. Um, he didn't do that, and that kind of left uh, everything open to speculation. Um, if I run you through what we do know now, then uh, we'll get into it. So Arteta's man management is the big topic here and whether this did need to be dealt with publicly at all. Um, after losing to Everton, Aubameyang asked permission from the club to travel to France. His intention was to visit his mother, who I know had been ill previously. I believe she's stable now, but you can't, I wouldn't quote me on that. Um, but he was then going to bring her back to England with him. Um, Arteta and Arsenal have been pretty understanding with Aubameyang previously. Um, I know he was given some time off in January and missed three games. Um, he was granted permission to travel to France on Wednesday on the condition that he returned that night in order to report for training on Thursday. Um, Aubameyang decided not to return on Wednesday. Instead, he caught an early flight on Thursday morning before returning to Colney. Um, he was in time for training, but as far as Arsenal were concerned, the infraction had already occurred. Um, because of the COVID-19 protocols, uh, Aubameyang did do a test, but he's then required to wait for the test result to come through, which if he'd flown back the night before, he would have been able to train the next day. He couldn't train because of this, and he couldn't get back into Arsenal's uh, kind of self-made COVID bubble uh, for match days. The club 
internally believed they were very clear with Aubameyang on what he needed to do, how they were kind of bending the rules for him in this situation, and he's failed to meet them. Um, Arteta said again that all players are expected to meet the same standards of behaviour, whether you're the captain, whether you're a star man, or whether uh, you're a bench warmer. Some people in the club feel that this was a case of kind of airing the dirty laundry that doesn't need to be made public, perhaps that Arsene Wenger would have left uh, behind closed doors. Others feel that Arteta, if anything, has made the rules very bendy in Aubameyang's case. If you recall, he was left out of the North London derby against Spurs last season, which was vindicated when Arsenal won. But it was believed it wasn't just because he was late that day, he'd been late on multiple occasions. So people are saying Arteta's bending the rules for this guy and he's even still managing to break them. TK, if I go to you first, do you think Arteta was right now we know more of the facts to wear this one out in public? It's marginally better than the original story that he was just in Barcelona getting a tattoo. Yeah. But it ain't but it ain't much better. Um I th- it sounds like they've laid it out pretty clearly for him. Uh and he hasn't taken them seriously. I think he hasn't in that sort of ideal, you've got to sort of meet him halfway. And and he isn't. So and again, if this was the first thing on the rap sheet, maybe you might get away with it. But there seems to be this weird idea that because of who he is, he should have more bend, which he's had it. But no, nah, he's also captain of the club. So if anyone's going to have to be representative yeah. of the rules, it's going to have to be him, whether he likes that or not. And, he, and he's the total opposite. If this was a squad yeah. player, you, you almost wouldn't care. As well, it is, it's, it's, it's and he's, he's not around no more. Listen, I mean, people have said the Guendouzi one, but he seems a total cunt. And also, <laughs> is, isn't doesn't have the career that Aubameyang has behind him so I, I can get giving this guy some leeway but I mean also you have a real problem if Aubameyang was sort of at his peak in great form but he hasn't been so you can't really get away with this sort of behaviour no, might be wrong Aubame- on that what, um, manage- yeah Mate. at least he's consistent I'll give him that it's one of the few things the manager's doing alright I think well, I was going to say I- he's worked with Wenger Emery Tuchel Klopp so that's quite well-regarded list of managers. The only other one there that's had an issue with him, if you recall, is Thomas Tuchel, who left dropped him for internal reasons. They kissed and made it behind the scenes. I think he's got a hat-trick his next game back. So, there's clearly ways of managing him. This hmm. one doesn't seem to be working. Well, um, can I just clarify? He, he, he left yeah. to go and see his sick mum. So, no, she's not sick at the moment. He was given time off for her previously. He left, basically to go to France and then bring her back here with him. So why was she not to, was she not fit to travel or what like um, did she I think help? it was just they didn't want to, he felt that he needed to travel with her. I mean, you would say I suppose, so, his family oh, is I, bigger I, than his mum, but like he has a big family by the way. He has siblings that don't work. Like they they kind of just live off the Aubameyang name. His brother is one of the worst social media accounts you will ever see. Um, just screams, just just screams out random words and films himself in selfie mode. But Believe it or I, not, that's actually what Harry Kane's brother does as well. That's why things didn't get so well for him. I mean, he, he's, he's filmed Aubameyang on his phone while driving before. There's got to be some common sense in this family. <laughs> I guess, um, like, so what my point would be is, so my only point of sympathy is 
he obviously he obviously cares a lot about his mum, and I understand that there is a he is a sporting professional, and he did make an agreement with Arsenal that he did break. So, you know, there is an understanding here. But ultimately, Arsenal should know by now what they're dealing with in terms of the player that he is and how he goes about certain things. Right now, he doesn't look great on the pitch. You're looking for ways to try and sort that out. I think that the way that this has panned out isn't going to help the situation. I mean, no player is bigger than the club, but at the end of the day, he is under contract. He is your highest paid player. He is. He was your main man a few seasons ago. It just sort of, was it, is this the right way of going about it, considering the situation? I mean, if by all means he's gone off and he's done it to, you know, he's gone on like a luxury trip, he's gone on a holiday, he's gone on like to go and get a tattoo like some of the stories were initially. He did go for the tattoo, just wasn't in Barcelona. That, that's where the whole thing no, falls on. Yeah, the tattoo. He's getting a tattoo the night before. What I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is, he wasn't doing anything from a place of cockiness or... He made an agreement with the club, I'll be back this day. Don't say we're going to do it this I'm not, day. And then... I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's done nothing wrong what i'm trying to say is there's obviously as at a, least he didn't go out on the lash that's essential no, i just so. want to point out he, he, yeah he didn't, he, he didn't miss the flight he 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 this is the plan he chose to do he, he's not like he had the flight booked didn't make it so he went back the next morning yeah what i'm trying to say is, is he's prioritized his mum and his family his mum over the, his duties to the club and his agreement to the club which i would rather him do that then prioritising on a night out, prioritising going to get a tattoo, pri- pri- basically prioritising on a luxury something for himself. I, what I'm trying to say is there's a good there's a good lad there. It's just kind of like he's gonna he's gonna get a sympathy vote from some people in terms of oh he's just trying to look after his mum. Come on, not. Does, I mean, was his mum even involved? Was his mum just a convenient excuse if you're going to take the cynical view? How many times is some uh, fo- for Wall Street shipping the money across? Every time the fellow goes through a bit of bad form, he's got to go see his mum. Last time it was malaria, actually, where everyone said he was faking a cold. You drew the comparison with like two shellings of a kiss and made up behind closed doors. I don't see that happening in this situation. No, I'm, I'm, just, that- I'm just questioning. I'm just questioning that he is, regardless of what his form is this season, which is dreadful. Um, he he is your highest paid player at the club. He is potentially a still a massive asset to you. There isn't a better player in the squad than, well, like at his best, there isn't anybody better in your squad at the moment. Apart from the prospect of Martinelli, which could turn out, of course, I'm not, not saying that, but he's That's better something. than Lacazette. And, yeah, but Saka's not an out-and-out striker, is he? Oh, I he's, thought you were just talking it, out, outward players. No, 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 no. So I, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, like, in his position. You know, yeah, yeah, proven striker in that position. So I just, it's kind of like, I'm not, no player is bigger than the club without a shadow of a doubt. It's just managing a situation which is going to get you the player back. And the way that this has panned out, I just think it makes the situation worse. I mean, you could, you could literally, you know, let him get away with this. Try and get at this, try and get one more season out of him and get you in a better position and then deal with it. Afterwards, like be ruthless yeah. in, in that extent. But yeah, if 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 we uh, bring Jack in, so one of the main things about this is the fact that it was kind of 
aired out straight away. Arteta said disciplinary reasons. He didn't say he was a niggle. He didn't say he was ill. Do you think Excuse that's me? the right call? Pardon? Um, yeah, I think you don't want to back away from it. Now, and then the news come out after. Yeah, th- there is that. At the same time, like you've said in the past, I think you said the other day that Aubameyang was definitely an arm around the shoulder kind of management style. That's what he kind of re- what he's most receptive to. Whereas Arteta just it's kind of his way or the highway, isn't it? He's a young manager. He doesn't know any other way. I don't think. Yeah, the, the problem is with that is that if you're getting results, then that's fine. But if you're yeah. like patchy and there's doubts about your job and things like that, I guess he's sticking to his guns. And that's all he can do. Can't change now. But if you're Arteta and you're taking on a Bangmian who's played regular Champions League football for Dortmund in the past, and he has been your best player since. But for a long, long time, obviously yeah, not yeah. this season. You would probably try and be a bit more silky with the touch. Why use a hammer for a job that only requires a feather, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But the problem is with Aubameyang that if he's not banging in the goals, then you can't get away with this. I know what? that he's, been, he's going to see his sick mum. Apparently, his mum, his mum's not ill. His, 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 she was ill. Right. Okay. That's what, right. That's he he had some time off. Uh, he missed three games. He missed the FA Cup game against United last season. He missed the game against Southampton, and there was another one. Uh, I'll just point out that the club have been quite flexible with him previously. It's not like they're saying you you pick us over your family. They have been. Very, I think Arteta came out and said that there's, there are things more important than football. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought something that could maybe uh, be worth pointing out is. Some are saying that that you've had this at Arsenal all along. There was uh, Arsenal teams and special like allowances were made for the likes of Paul Merson, Tony Adams, and the managers knew how they had to manage those players. And when players are of a certain quality, sometimes you do let them get away with things that other players wouldn't be able to, which I guess the issue is here. They were competing for league titles, not competing for a Europa Conference League place. And something else I think may come into it is you've got to remember Arteta was an Arsenal captain. Now he is he was the opposite to Aubameyang. He supposedly wasn't the most popular player in the dressing room, which um, Aubameyang, by all the kind of talk you hear out of there, is certainly one of maybe the top three. Supposedly him, Lacazette, and Pepe are the kind of most vocal, popular figures in the dressing room. Arteta was very much the opposite. He was uh, he wasn't the most popular. He was very straight down the middle. He told people what they thought. I guess this is why people think thought he was going to be a good manager before he was one. So he probably holds the captain's armband at Arsenal in a different regard to what Aubameyang does. I don't think Aubameyang cares about being Arsenal captain too much, but I do think he would care if the captain's armband was taken away from him. Sure. That would be very embarrassing for him. Um, a question here, I guess, is to uh, whether that should be the case or not. Um, he's got 18 months left on his deal. Um, they aren't going to sell him. Obviously, that, that's, that's not going to happen. He scored 10 goals in 29 appearances last season, which was his lowest tally in a full season at Arsenal. He's got four league goals um, in 14 games this season, which sounds bad. Sounds a lot better if you say it's four times the amount Harry Kane has. 
but unfortunately <laughs> yeah, we can't leave with that without um, anyone digging a bit deeper into the actual stats there. Um, TK, do you think press conference tomorrow for the game, would you think it's the right move if Arteta came out and said, look, I've made a decision for the good of the club, Aubameyang's no longer our captain? Oh, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because are you just... He took over make, from Granit Xhaka, who was stripped of the captaincy. Yeah, are you making this a bigger thing than it needs to be? I mean, it's already been big enough. Is this You're trying to put water on it now rather than sticking more petrol on the fire. Um, I guess the tricky, the tricky thing with this whole thing is I've, from a long time, kind of cringed a bit when people have said, Kieran Tierney, a future Arsenal captain, just thought to myself, well, he's the current Arsenal captain. He should be the captain. He's the only one there. I look at and think is captain material. Now I know he's not getting on the pitch all the time. Number. At the minute. I think there's Sorry? a number. Of, I think there's a number of players that you could look at now and say, are oh, certainly if you're not going to call them a captain, then you can say there's certainly more leaders in the team than just Tierney. I would say. I would say on the basis of time elapsed. So for example, I would agree in terms of Ramsdale's probably the right personality, but is still new to the club. He's 23. Yeah. Gabriel. Is probably that I don't know what his English is like, but it doesn't really matter too no, much. I could, I could, him, I could have him. I could have him as a captain. Outside of that, I wouldn't say there's too many outstanding candidates at Arsenal. So if Tierney's fit and firing, I think he's an obvious choice. Whereas Aubameyang essentially got it at a time where you didn't have enough characters to do it, and he was your best player, wasn't it? it was essentially, essentially how he got it. It, it went to the most popular guy, basically. Yeah, yeah, most popular, most experienced, probably in terms of playing at top level. And was just out and out your best player, wasn't he? So I guess if you go, who's leading by example here, we can go with him. So maybe it wasn't a natural fit anyway. I'm always a bit unsure about striker being captain. So Tierney, uh, since Leon Emery brought it in, and you see this at a lot of uh, clubs that have Spanish managers, I think it's a thing over there. Um, they have the, what they refer to as like the leadership group, don't they? Remember Emery came out and said he had six captains. Yeah, I mean, he got hammered for it because I think of the uh, the personnel that were the six. I think as much as the actual the actual things. Yeah, so what I was going to say is, um, Kieran Tierney's never had the armband on for Arsenal. Um, no matter how many substitutions have been made, he seems like he's not even in consideration as far as it goes in that. I don't know if it's kind of literally written out who they are. If it, if it's not a Bamiyan, it goes to Lacazette. If it's not Lacazette, it usually goes to Rob Holding. Um, Xhaka actually held the armband when um, Lacazette went off on uh, Saturday and he's had it a couple of times under Arteta. So I don't think they'll take the armband off him. But I do think when you're a guy like Arteta who drives home these non-negotiables as he does, which does put him in a position where if you think the news is going to get out, you you don't have a choice but to punish no, the guy. You are also going to be caught between the rock and hard place now. So you're taking a hard line stance, but we're not that hard. You, you kind of ended up, he's well, still pissed off with you, but no one really is taking you that seriously because you're going to go, well, he can still keep the armband, still get back in the team. Well, well what was we the punishment? He's going to play tomorrow. So when Arteta was asked, um, they said, so. Um, He's removed, so he's, he's just not in the squad today. And he said, today is the start. And he wouldn't mean? confirm after the game. So there was some suggestion that it's going to be a long-term ban. And okay. uh, um, I think he'll be in the squad for Wednesday, but won't start is, is how I think it'll go. But 
he certainly made out like this this issue isn't finished here there's there's still more that we're going to be dealing with this is just the start of the proceedings um, that's, well, that's it he's gonna I do think he's gonna have to come down the side of am I punishing this guy or is it forgotten about and drawing a line line <laughs> under it he, he doesn't want to do Ray land somewhere in between I think the one mistake I said I did make was in the Everton game bringing on Nketiah ahead of him I mean if you're gonna bring him on then bring him on and he's your man right go and save us rather than I guess kind of humiliate, humiliate him by putting it, yeah yeah he's an odd guy because I put, mean I think pretty clear parallels with Rafa this week with the Lucas uh, Dunia thing I think both guys, <laughs> where you're looking at both guys thinking, this is, you're making this a much bigger thing than it probably needs to be, and I'd rather you dealt with it in-house. And you're kind of dealing with it in-house, but then half leaking us other stuff, so it becomes uh, almost so proper stuff. I thought the biggest issue in, in whether in the post-game, where they didn't, he didn't clarify what it was to any extent, which is why the tattoo thing, really took hold because yeah, that's it, it wasn't it? on Aubameyang's Instagram. The guy whose location is Barcelona on Instagram posts a picture with Aubameyang grinning thumbs up on the day of the game, <laughs> um, getting a tattoo. Um, and he didn't do anything to kind of quash that. He almost seemed shocked in the press conference after the game that anyone was even asking about it. Yeah, I think he kind of thought, well, I've told you he's not there. Yeah. What yeah. more do you need to know? And I said to you on Saturday, I think he took such a hard line when he first came in. It made a run for his own back, it, for sure, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, for there sure. There's no way to get around it now. But I, for what it's worth, I've got pretty much no sympathy with Aubameyang, almost. Because, no, like you said, I think, right. the, I think the club's given him enough leeway. I think that the whole point of certain Mavericks, we give a bit of extra leeway to. I absolutely agree with it. I think you've got it. I think we've seen it throughout a lot of successful teams. But one, you're not a successful team. And two, he has had that leeway. And he's kind of, when he gets to the point where he's taking the piss, is when he's got to, he's got to come down hard on him. So there's some suggestion that the fact that, this is the last time I've really had on this, the fact that he allowed him to travel on the week of the game suggests he wasn't going to be starting on Saturday regardless. And that as much as this may be a headache in the short term, this could maybe help in the long term in terms of our in terms of Arteta phasing Aubameyang out of the team. And you would have to say, if he took the captain's armband off him, in the long run, it's then far less of a story with him not being in the team. Your captain not being in the team and not being picked is a, is a far bigger story, whether it's Aubameyang or not. I don't know if he maybe takes this and this helps him to get to where he wants to be, which clearly is a young impressionable squad that he can kind of put his mould on rather than <laughs> there's very few players in that starting 11 outside of a Bamiyang that have don't really know the right the right way to translate kind of yeah or even just any kind of uh, not any kind of personality <laughs> any kind of because I would say the likes of Ramsdale team etc but they're they're very straight down the line aren't they the rest of those players Whereas Aubameyang falls out of that. Pepe Pro- falls out of that. Probably more disciplined than him is probably what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, probably first. Maybe he wants to go that way. I, I don't know. I, I I do think whether where Aubameyang may have had those issues before, Arteta may have, in his eyes, pulled him up one too many times now. And he might dap him up after a game. I, I don't think he's going to be writing a book 
in 10 years' time about the wonderful experiences he had with Mikel Arteta. Whereas no. I'm sure he could speak for hours on the, the great time he had with Klopp and he had with Wenger, for example. Yeah, I think I think his days are numbered, aren't they? One way or the other. You're either gonna bomb him out or he's gonna he's gonna wanna go. It's it's a weird one. I can't relate to it where you know I'm a sticker for timekeeping. I can't imagine turning up late <laughs> for something, so I can't get into his mindset. There's a clip I would say you can look back on and um, it was after the North London derby when he was dropped. And I think we played Chelsea in the next game, or certainly it was around then. And Tuchel was actually asked about what it was like managing Aubameyang. And he just started laughing, which maybe tells you <laughs> he isn't the easiest guy to be dealing with. And so maybe Arteta doesn't have the clout that Aubameyang respects in the same way that he does with those others. That's probably what it boils down to, isn't it, really? And they probably know how to get the balance right of being tough, but being fair, don't they? Whereas... Arteta does feel like he's winging it. So if he doesn't play against West Ham, and it remains to be seen whether he will be considered for selection, there's then three league games left before Aubameyang has to join up with the Gabon squad for the Cup of Nations. So if he doesn't bring him back in in the next fortnight, it it could be February, March time next year before we then see him in an Arsenal shirt again. Mm. Something to keep an eye on, I think. Um, Everton then. Another manager who uh, certainly has a lot more power in the last fortnight. Um, Marcel Brand is out. I think it's just about the only thing we didn't cover um, on last week's pod, TK. Um, and Rafa's moving up in the world. The first stat, which is just startling to see, that Everton has spent £500 million since 2016. We'll never not look. Christ alive. Where this all started, Marcel Brands had no involvement at all in the deal bringing Rafa to Everton. You can look back when the pictures were leaked of him kind of being ferried into the stadium. You can look at the pictures of them going into meetings. Marcel Brands was away on holiday. He had no involvement in this at all. Supposedly, he told the board exactly what he thought, that this was a horrible move. He didn't think uh, Rafa Benitez was the right choice for um, Everton. And (laughs) they clearly never clicked. And I think Rafa's been along been around long enough to be able to know how to deal with these kinds of situations and Brands probably has enough stink in the bank that Everton didn't need too much of a reason to say, you know what, we might back the guy who who hasn't done us wrong so many times before. Um, Benitez came in, immediately wanted to put his own stamp on the squad. He says he was targeting wingers and someone could who could inject some pace um, into a side that so often looks sluggish. You might not believe that now. I wish he would have um, done that when he was at fucking Liverpool. <laughs> yes. Keep so, playing Dirk out on the fucking right. They say the priorities were a winger and <laughs> supposedly the thing that's brought up in every Everton board meeting is they need someone to uh, succeed Seamus Coleman at right back, but they can't find the right person to do it. Um, a lot of friction was built up in the summer and this is why I think it doesn't look so great for Benitez. Marcel Brands had, with the limited funds they had, and it was more than the 1.5 million they ended up spending, he pinpointed either Denzel Dumfries, who's now at Inter, or Tino Livramento, who is available for about four million pounds from Chelsea, um, who ends up going to Southampton, obviously, um, and tells him that these are the guys that we can use to take over Seamus Coleman. Rafa rejects the pair of them says he wants a more experienced option and one with Premier League experience. 
this may sound familiar, TK, in, in that kind of sense. Now, most of the guys who you would look at and say, yeah, I was on Football Manager and I was doing a search for someone maybe based in the Premier League and the right backs, the guys who aren't starting at their clubs probably aren't starting at their clubs for a reason. And I'm pointing <laughs> to the likes of Cedric and uh, these kind of players. I'm sure there's other players at our clubs that, that we can think of that you probably wouldn't go in. And the likes of Serge Aurier, who was on a free going from Spurs. These kinds of players are the guys who have Premier League experience and would have been available on Everton's kind of budget. Um, before even getting to anything else, you, you, you've got a, Everton fans reading that now. Livermento has been one of the young shining stars in the Premier League this season. And yeah, Daniel Dumfries, who, I mean, I was wanting to Arsenal um, in the summer after seeing him at the World Cup, uh, the Euro, sorry, with Holland, where he was just killing it. it. We spoke a bit about Rafa, didn't we, last week, and along, along with Jose, and I think Jack spoke about this previously, and uh, whether Jose could just really work in football anymore, um, because he isn't really adapting his methods. He's kind of trying to, trying to do the same thing he was doing at Chelsea in 2005 as he's trying to do at, at Roma in 2021. Rafa, you'd put in the same boat, wouldn't you? Is anything he's doing now any different to what we were seeing at Newcastle? No. And I think Rafa has this tendency, I don't know if it's his ego or what, but uh, he took the Chelsea job knowing, <laughs> knowing full well the hate that would come his way when he did it. And he's then thought, you know what, I'll go to Everton. And to poison Chalice before he's even started, because mm. you just you just look at that decision and you think, you have a run of bad games and you will not only lose the dressing room, but you'll lose the fans. And that's and some of the videos that I've seen. They're more, they're, more, they're more vicious than what we were. And we were vicious when, when we were... Remember when you were on Monday Night Football, Rafa? And we all expected that he, he was going to go out of his way to twerk for the Arsenal job. And he, he was at Arsenal Everton, I think, on a Monday Night Football. And just straight out, I came out and was like, I've got no interest in that. No interest at all. Now, <laughs> I could see myself managing there one day. And I think maybe the idea is he, he wanted to move back to Liverpool with his family more than he had an interest in being able to manage it. No matter what he's telling you now of this passion for the city and things. I just, I just, I just think that you look at the Premier League and the passion of the city or what, Half of them hate you, and now, and, now, and now half of them hate you even more than they did before. And the problem that you've got is, especially with the Premier League, if he just stayed out of it for a couple of months, I can guarantee Spurs would have taken a punt on him. He could have gone oh. and been Spurs manager instead of. He'd, he'd have got the Newcastle job, wouldn't he? if he was available. He would have got the Newcastle yeah, job. Yeah, instead of Eddie Howe. Yeah, or that. Obviously, he's not know to take it. Everton, Everton said no. Because the problem you've got now as well is that, like I said, if you lose the dressing room, that's one thing. The fans should still back you, but you've lost both of them already. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time. And I saw that result against Palace. And I just thought, yeah. just don't sack him before Thursday. Please don't sack him. Uh, Chuck, do you think part of the issue, though, um, and I know you said about he's kind of ruined before he got there. His, his reputation wasn't great at that point anyway. And I don't. I won't yeah. give you an exact year, but Chelsea have gone through managers like like nobody's business. Say you were getting the equivalent of um, I don't know a, a slightly towards the end, sorry towards the end, an early early 2010s Wenger. There would be, I'm sure, a part of you at Chelsea, regardless of the history, where you could at least look at the manager there, and he would have a bit more credit in the bank. 
than a Wenger that's everyone's beg begging to be sacked at Arsenal as Wenger out. The same way you could see why Spurs were excited at the prospect of Jose Mourinho, despite the fact that he'd already been at, um, at Chelsea. No, I like, get this it. was a rapper that stinks. It's not like he's rapper joining after he's just won the Champions League. I 100% agree with you on that. And that's why it makes it such a weird decision, even more weird than it would have been before, because, like, like you just said, at least with those managers that you said before, you would have had some sort of grace period where you think, right, let's just try and grit our teeth and bear it. But the, the thing that I would say as well, though, is that 2012, Rafa, it was only, what, six, seven years after getting to the Champions League final and winning it with Liverpool, he wasn't given any grace at Chelsea. And I don't know if that's because of just the way we felt towards him. You're also in a different place to Everton, aren't you? Uh, huh? You're also in a different place to Everton, aren't you? Like... Yeah, there, there is that, I suppose. And you're right, you've got to take that into consideration. But I just think it was such a rash, wild decision that I just knew it was doomed to fail. And whoever thought otherwise was kidding themselves, really. Even the Everton fans, that the, the, the very select minority that got behind him to start with and put everything behind them. I still thought, you don't really mean that. <laughs> it's just... I've got two two Everton fans that I work with now and I saw the kind of complete opposite in the two of them where the one was like, why the hell are we doing this? Like, they, I think they won a couple of games at the start and he was like, it's Rafa Benitez. Like, he's just here. He, he's not here because he likes Everton. Look at the, look at the, the signings we've made. He he was destined to fail. The other was like, well, I mean, what, what better manager are Everton going to get? What, what better manager are we going to get? Look at what he's done. Give him a chance and, and see what he does. I will say it's not taking long to turn on him. So you're right there in that as soon as things started to go wrong, he wasn't going to have any supporters there. Do we think if he had started the season at Spurs, just because Jack's mentioned it, do we think he'd still be there now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he's got a certain, certainly with owners, he seems to be a real charmer with them, whether it's the lack of money he spends or... I reckon he's a, he's a great gaslighter, our Rafa. I think he can, get <laughs> yeah. you, he can manipulate a relationship very strongly because somehow he's going to manage to purge this club. He's managed to be the last man standing there like he was at Liverpool as well. And let me tell you, your way out of trouble is not to give Rafa power over signings. That is not the way out. Well, some would point at it. The man can't say, pick his nose. Well, regardless of what I've just said there about the players he turned down, supposedly he personally requested Damari Gray. I mean, I think the business he's done, excluding the ones they've missed out on there, I think Townsend's done all right, done a job, and Damari Gray's obviously yeah. been been great. So I think um, in the short period... Rondon is the one they hate. I, th I think he is what he is. If Calvert-Lewin's fit and Rondon's your backup strike, I don't think there's a huge amount wrong with that. I mean, this is a fan base that Richarlison's just got to get one thing right, and they love him. I mean, I can't with that. He's he what? He accounts for nearly ten percent of that five hundred million pound you said. Yeah. And in fairness, the only bit of business they've done is worse than that is currently being investigated for being a criminal. So <laughs> that, I don't see how he's ever had a pass. Either I know I'm saying this in the week where he scored against Arsenal, but yeah. you're gonna need a little bit more than that for more money, I think. Shank Tosson's still there. He's been offered a way out and says. Oh, well, supposedly he said Rondon's starting games. I see no reason why I can't be. Yeah, I mean, it's an odd feeling considering I've got no real uh, feeling towards Everton other than uh, a bit of contempt every so often. 
seeing Tosin come off the bench is oddly depressing. I'm kind of like, oh god, this is rock bottom, <laughs> isn't it? This is tough. I do really envy the way I see Liverpool play Everton because it does remind me of simpler times when I was going into games against Spurs and there was always the the, the worry that you might not win, but there was no real ever implications of it ever no. than that. It was you could joke about it being their cup final, for example. Yeah, and, and you'd be watching, in contention for the league and they'd be in the uh, table. So there was no What did you batter them thinking simpler times? Yeah, exactly. Um, so essentially what where where we've got here is Rafa does have more power now. They don't look to be looking to uh, appoint another Marcel Brands equivalent who when he joined was spoken about as, as one of the best guys in his position in world football. He was the highest I, mean, I think he was actually maybe second highest paid. Um, kind of sporting director in the Premier League. Um, you mentioned that he's now fallen out of Luka Dinia. Um He's removed him from the team after complaints that the team didn't play enough football and aren't exciting. Um, they, apparently the issue were that, that Rafa felt was Dinia disrespected him by having this argument in front of the other players. Right, OK. Rather than doing it privately. Um, in fairness to Rafa... In fairness to Rafa, he could have just said, I dropped him because he played absolutely gash against Liverpool. And then he would have been sound because he did. He was horrible. Yeah. Well, he... It's just classic Rafa. Do... Just, when he just comes out and gives you a slight snippet of uh, he needs to think about the team, not himself and stuff like that. He's, it's kind of, you may as well tell us now, Rafa, because you've just given us something that's probably worse than what's happened. We saw these little things in what we've said previously about how the tiniest thing with some of these players and how sensitive they are can really just get their back up. Mm. Um, supposedly, they've had an issue since Rafa first came in and he basically told him, I don't think you're the best guy to be taking set pieces for us. And he took him off all set pieces. And Dunia, as is the case with a lot of defenders, prides himself on his attacking work more than he does his defensive work. And mm. I guess it probably doesn't help that you've, you've got some great young French fullbacks coming through that are challenging his position on the international stage, but he's effectively blamed Rafa for his drop-off in form and the way he's now being viewed. And Rafa's, I think, told him what he thinks, and it's easier to get him out of the way than have to deal with him. When you look at their team yesterday, so Andre Gomez did play from the start. Could they have put out a more attacking team if you're an Everton fan what would be your issue with the way they lined up yeah I mean in terms of personnel I don't think, I don't know that they could do much different to start could they well they swapped out um, Anthony Gordon for Fabian Dell is one of, is one of the things yeah I don't know how much of that is just a young player I don't know whether he could it was just looking after him or, or what because he's obviously already looked a more um maybe more adventurous player than Fabian Delph. I mean, most players are. He was asked to explain his negative tactics, as uh, the reporter put it yesterday, and he said, with Fabian Delph, Andre Gomez coming back, Andros Townsend, Demario Graham with Charleston, we have enough players in the team of technical ability to do that, regarding um, being kind of exciting, counter-attacking side. Um, he said, not in these uh, terms, effectively, <laughs> And what he's shown, he doesn't feel they have enough quality to be able to dominate a game, which a Palace side that hadn't won in three games 
go in there not feeling that you can dominate the ball, it's a bad look for where Everton feel that they should be. Yeah, and again, I think the way Palace play, whether win or lose, I think has put pressure on a few managers, including Arteta, that Vieira has been able to sort of change things up there quite quickly. I think that's the other thing that's always going to be the stick that's going to be used to beat Rafa is the style of play. Now, Newcastle liked him because he was able to get results. It wasn't because they were playing pretty football, because the situation they were in, he was perfect for it. Everton probably feel they should be a little bit more expansive, same as Arsenal rightly do with, with their manager. Yeah. And uh, and so I think there's even more pressure on him. Jack was right that as soon as he hit any sort of bad form, they were going to be on his back. But even if you take out the Liverpool element to it, his style of play nowadays does lead itself to having pressure on you. Palace hadn't won since November the 6th. Um, I mean, the, the Athletics suggested it would be a dangerous game to play. They think that Rafa's effectively just trying to hang on till January or the summer to try and make the changes that he feels are required to, to get Everton back to where they need to be. I, I don't know what dream he sold them, but fair play if if he makes it that far. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely believe that probably is his intention, but I think the fans are going to make it a situation where they're going to take it out of the owner's hands. Yes, yeah. Sounds like they're going to drag him out by his, like, his body then, where I've said that. But yeah. It might be. Um, just a, a, a couple of other things, um, just to round us up. Alex, I, I know you said you may need to bounce, so uh, if you do, uh, just uh, feel free to uh, it when you need to. All right. Rudiger, Jack, is a name that has been through the headlines this weekend. Um I think at one point, uh, fake hard man was trending on Twitter yesterday, which is quite an impressive uh, thing, to be, thing to be trending. Um, the guy's out of contract in six months' time. Supposedly, Real Madrid are interested. Um, how much will Chelsea miss him if he does choose to go? Um, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny how football changes because under Frank, he looked useless. Like he looked worse than useless. He looked decent under Sarri in a rigid system. Under Frank, he got shown up massively. Yeah. We're going to join the dots here at some point, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> one one game that I remember massively was Sheffield United where we lost three one or three 0 whichever it was, and he just got torn to shreds. And then you put him into Tuchel's system, and he looks like a world beater. He looks like one of the best in the league now. I think you'll miss his kind of leadership more than anything he's always wanting to get stuck into players rightly or wrongly that can be detrimental we've seen blowups in the changing room with him previously but I think he's replaceable for sure And that, but what I wonder is that like, look at the Jules Kunde situation where they wanted 50 or 56 mil or 52 mil for him they, no, they want about 75 you offered yeah, upwards of 50 that was it, yeah. Right. I think like the money that you're going to go and spend on replacing him, you may as well just pay him what he wants. The problem well, with that Christensen's is, out of contract as well. Yeah, the problem with that, like I was about to say, is that you pay him what he wants now and you're just going to get a flood of Chelsea players running down their contracts because <laughs> it's a damned if they do, damned if they don't. They'll lose him after going and pay loads of money and find someone new. Well, or, Real Madrid want Rudiger, Barcelona want Christensen. Can you imagine a classico with them two? Yeah. Christensen's lightweight. I, if you I could keep one, would it be Rudiger? It'd be Rudiger, yeah. Like, um, I, 
Who do you think will be kept? I said on Thursday or whatever, me and TK did a pod. I think you'll end up paying one of them a significant amount of cash and the other one will then leave. I think Christensen will stay um, because I just don't think many teams are going to go all out to try and get him. And he comes through the academy as well, so he has some sort of loyalty. And it was kind of close to being done, but apparently something's messed up with the agents now, and that's why it hasn't. Whereas he's got a div above his station, hasn't he, or Chris? Yeah, he has. Because he I think he could look horrible elsewhere. He should settle. Yeah. I, think, I, think that, I think that's going to happen with Rudiger. As soon as he's going yeah, to again. Do you think it might hurt your chances of keeping Rudiger in a weird way, the fact that you won the Champions League? Well, he's got nothing more to do there and the appeal of Real Madrid is uh, whether we like them or not there's very few players that will resist them No, they're true I mean They're probably one of the few clubs that can outpay you as well I mean, they are massively in debt but you're right if they see an opportunity to get a player without a big upfront Then La Liga see free agents Yeah, they'll just they just go they go all out for it don't they And I mean if you look at that new stadium Looking at Real Madrid just as what they've achieved as a club, it's, it's the attempting destination, don't get me wrong. I think you would still want to win the Premier League this season with Chelsea. I think that would be unfinished business for him. I just, I can see Rudiger being like an Ancelotti signing and then a new manager comes in and he falls completely out of favour. I can see that happening. Whereas at Chelsea... Yeah, that he's still there. <laughs> yeah. I think... It's such a tricky one because I've never really been in this position before. The only other player to really do this to us was Courtois. Um, and we were, you know, we're yeah, usually... Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're usually quite good at tying yeah, the players yeah. down or moving them on, whichever... Well, I'll say moving them on. Let them go to us. Or that, yeah, to go, go to the retirement <laughs> home. However, I I don't see us holding on to Ruger for some reason. We're just I think his stock's really No, high. I don't think you will. And... Um, I think supposedly Bayern interested as well, but they won't pay his wages. Apparently, Spurs had a word with his agent, and he was like, "Yeah, you're having a laugh here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's even sadder the fact that we sold Tamori. I think that's a real mm, kick in yeah. the teeth. Yeah. Okay. has got to be looking and thinking, "Look, I'm more than happy if you two want to bounce." And yeah, the problem is you got Thiago Silva at 38, and you've got yeah. you got. Um, I think I, you'll go back for Kunde. I think we probably will, but again, the money that we'll spend on it, we might as well just pay really good to stay. Well, you'll yeah, you'll just pay his release clause, which is about seventy six mil, I think. But that's what I mean. You'd, I'd rather spend half of that on Rudiger's wages. Yeah. Um, a question for for both of you that um, I've been meaning to ask for weeks, and I keep forgetting. We've spoken a lot about Tuchel's system, and who do you think is the worst centre back that would look competent in Tuchel's system? Tyrone Mings. <laughs> I quite like that show, actually. Because he's just... Erratic. You think he would look competent? He's erratic, but if he's got enough cover and enough good players around him, I think he'd look solid because he's tall. His left-footedness on this, again, is going to come into play because the way we pass <laughs> out, we, mi- we miss that a lot of... Op- left foot. <laughs> we, we miss a lot of opportunities to spread it wide just purely because of Rudiger trying to sort his feet out when he plays left centre-back. Um... I think he would look pretty assured in Super system. Well, well, we're on Chelsea, actually, Jack. Jack's getting been, ideas. I think he's going, you know what? We don't need him again. We can't tie on You've been quiet for a few weeks, so I've got some uh, questions for you. Yeah. Um, 
How worried are you? Um, I told you, didn't I? That I did, man is I looking. Did. I, I, I he's enjoying Christmas. So, he's got the Man United look at you, man. We wonder where you've been. I, I told you, didn't I? I? You told me I've got nothing to worry about, Lukaku. Got nothing to worry about at all. No, he looked like a sure thing. Um, yeah, yeah sure. he's got, he scored like four goals in his first like four or five games or whatever and everything was looking rose but I said I told you that number nine <laughs> about that um, I saw a compilation on Twitter and they said I just want this Lukaku back and it's just all clips of him against Pablo Mari and it's like I've got to, I've got to be honest with you here Shane Long did this to him yeah. <laughs> I, I think look I'm not that worried because the way he's been used has been pretty poor the last he's, he's featured in I think the last four or five games and all of them, apart from half at West Ham, um, have been the last 10, 15 minutes when we've been chasing the game because we've been playing poorly. So he throws him on in the last 10 minutes to just try and do Get something. Some and <laughs> the, the problem with that is then is that he has five appearances, although they're only for 10 minutes. Yeah, piece, yeah. He has five appearances that with it no goals. Yeah. So it looks He's mugging my fantasy team, getting me one point. I think... Look, he was looking really dangerous until he got injured. I think it was mid-October. And since then, the first game he started since mid-October was West Ham. He only played a half. And then, um, no, he came on the second half, didn't he, for Havertz? Cause Havertz yes, got he did, yeah. So he played, a, he played 45 minutes but came on. So he hasn't really had any game time to be able to get his eye in. And he hasn't had any easy games either because he's come back when he got half against uh, Watford as well didn't he I remember you got it level and then I saw Lukaku came on he, he didn't get half I don't think I think he got okay. like um, half an hour or like, half an hour or something yeah but he hasn't had a game where we like in Norwich for example where we're on top comfortably banging them in where he can just concentrate on getting his goal he's coming on the last 15 minutes when we're drawing and needing a, needing a goal where he just has to like panic and try and get the ball in the back of the net somehow. He looks good against Zenit. It's just our defensive letters down there. Um, I think look, he'll come, but he'll come good. Obviously, he just needs a run of games under his belt, which he hasn't had since mid October. If, if if you were playing uh, a cup final tomorrow, would would you start him or Havertz up top? Havertz, definitely. I think we expected Havertz to. Be like the first choice striker after buying Werner and uh, Lukaku, would you? No, not at all. I think it's it's, it's an indictment of I've yeah, never like I was what was the that game? could be a nice partnership, you know, them two. Habits and Lukaku. It was supposed to be. Uh, no, I thought you meant Werner. That was supposed to be. No, Habits kind of off just off. Yeah, the top I think line. I think that would be, and he was favouring two up top before Lukaku got injured, so that could be something in the future. But at the game on um, Saturday. Reese James dribbles with the ball a hundred times better than Werner dreams of, could even dream of. Like Werner has got the worst control and dribble ability I've ever seen from a wide winger that's got pace. He's just like every touch he takes, he looks down at the ball and kicks it too far in front of him and he just gets tackled. So the the jury's kind of out on Werner because he can't run with it and can't he can't shoot either, which He's got pace, so he stretches the game well. But apart from that, he brings absolutely nothing else to the team. I'd much rather start with Havertz, Pulisic and Mount. Every time I watch Werner, I still think you would bang if you were in a Liverpool shirt. I am convinced of it. If you sold him to Liverpool... I, th- I think you're right, in a way. He because would start in that front three. I'm convinced that he, he would something thr- would, just, would just click. The, the problem with Werner, though, 
in that Liverpool front three is they're very technical. Like the passes they put through, where their runs are, they're just like even. Um, I don't want to be disrespectful. If a week you can bang these goals for Liverpool, well, I think congratulations, you have been. Yeah, I, just, oh. I don't see Werner being. I, I honestly, <laughs> honestly, it's just it's so difficult because you know that like if, if he just tuned up a little bit, but he's been there coming up to two years now. Well, just about eighteen months. Do you think he's regressing as well? Yeah, he's not getting any better. That's when you watch him, it does look like he's getting worse, whether it's confidence or what. The, the problem, I mean, last season he was like the number nine. He was a striker. He was one we were trying to get to get all of our goals. I think the arrival of Lukaku has definitely helped him because he, that's taken some of the burden off him, whereas he can just try and do his own thing. And now he's doing his own thing, he's worse. Because yeah, because like last year, you were kind of looking at times thinking, well, that's bad luck. You know, he obviously had those ones where he was just offside and things like that. And you thought, this guy can't catch a break. I think at some point, this is all going to click. And you're watching this year, and I'm just going, no, I'm not sure it's going to click at all. No. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it's just waiting to click here. It's just, I don't know. I, He's, Maybe he's a he, scored, he scored 17 disallowed goals last season, which is just an <laughs> unbelievable stat. Like, unbelievable stat. And this season, he's got worse because the system that we play, I think this is why Lukaku hasn't come back in and just shone because we don't really play through our number nine. We play through our wide players and then it's up to the number nine to be in the right position to put it in the back of the net. And that, I think Lukaku definitely plays better when he's the focal point and he started that way and that's we we start questioning like are we better with or without him because he comes and drops deep and you play off him but then that leaves a massive gap up top with no one stretching it and you've got Mount and the other winger whoever's playing trying to run it two banks of four with no 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 outlet essentially and then you play with Havertz who plays on the shoulder and you've got a bit more stretched between the two lines so it's it's tricky. Like we're not built to have strikers. Chelsea just don't ever have a striker that really does that well, apart from Diego Costa, and that's just because he came in, bullied everyone, and just could score from anywhere. I it's, just uh, it's I mean, a tricky conundrum. Where when he's at his best, I feel like your best, your your best when Lukaku's in the team and he's at his best. But if he's anywhere below that, it's yeah. like it's not worth having him in there. You feel like you said change it and have it elsewhere. Exactly. Like the best way I can put it is like if you go back to the Aston Villa game at Stamford Bridge this season, where he ran through. I think having quality services definitely hindered everyone as well because no Kante, no Kovacic. Georgina has been pretty good. Loftus Cheek has been okay. Um, but you look back to more that, than pretty good for a third place in the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you you look at Lukaku against Aston Villa where we were battered for the whole game. Mm. But he had a great finish for his first goal. And then the third goal, he just pelts it from the edge of the area, goes top bins. Like, and that's the difference between us then and us now, where we could play, get battered all game and win 3-0 because we had the quality on the pitch to do it. Now, we're getting pretty torn up in midfield and we're not having the chances or anyone that can score. We're relying on defenders and Jorginho penalties to win games at the moment. Mm. If I ask one last question on football, so the questions come up again. Divock Origi, should he be content to be a off the bench player for Liverpool, or, or should he be looking to start somewhere else? Is it a bad? Should it be a bad look for him if he much longer is just happy to stay on the bench? It depends how much game time he gets, doesn't it? I, I personally, I think when you look at the landscape, 
you should probably look, well, where am I going to start? And I'm not sure there's that many clubs of a good level. Right in the Prem, certainly. Maybe you could look abroad. But that's a dangerous game in itself as well. If he was to, if you just look at the Prem teams, how many is he going to get a start for? I think you're getting is- quite a way down the table before you actually do start. And that's, you're kind of going to find out what Sturridge found out. is It's probably better to be on Liverpool's bench than someone else's bench. What if um, Brighton came? Yeah, but does he, does he want to go for Brighton? Is is getting ten starts for Liverpool, a few appearances off the bench and contributing in that way? It's not like he's not contributing. Is that better than starting? Well, says he's constantly oh. banging on his door saying he deserves to, he deserves to be playing more. Well, let's face it, we tried to get rid of him in the summer and no one wanted it, didn't we? So because um, originally I thought Wolves and I thought like Huang's not getting a start like. But Huang and Jimenez are probably both more certain starters than him, you'd think. I mean, do, do, at, West, do, at West Ham, you'd be back up to Antonio. What about Newcastle? Not the worst shout. I think it depends what you want because if their project goes where they think it's going to go, you're probably their guy for a couple of years and then they'll bomb you. What is he now, though? He's, he's got to be like late 20s. Yeah, I think so. And there's so much. Time you're gonna get. I don't know if he wants to look back at his career and say I was playing ten games a season. I, I I know what you mean, and in most cases I would firmly agree. I I tend to I instinctively agree with that take, but I think his career has been pretty remarkable as it is, and I don't know how remarkable it's going to be playing 38 games for Brighton and doing fuck all. We're 16 think, games into the Premier League and he's made three appearances. He's also going to play. You would imagine a decent chunk of January. With Salah and Mane away, yeah, that's fair. Um, and which, by the way, I don't know what the club's contingency was if we did sell him there because I'm not sure what the plan was. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think he's making enough of a contribution at this point. You know, if we were to get into the latter stages of the Champions League, uh, if we do have a run at the title, he's gonna have. He's probably gonna get called upon again. You know, everyone's kind of talking about these sub appearances. There's gonna be more of them. Twenty six. Is that all? Right. The Sun, the Sun reporting today, and so are various other uh, outlets, that Liverpool want him to replace, that, to replace Latam. Sorry? The, the Sun are reporting today that, that uh, sorry, AC Milan wants yeah, okay. Origi to replace Latam. And they're also reporting that he's the number one choice for Atalanta if they sell Zapata. Do you swap? No, um... I then that would in that case I think in his shoes I think my head could definitely be turned be the main guy for Milan if they're having a run at Syria then obviously that that's some success that you can have rather than um, cool about Milan still regardless of exactly and and I guess in your head you could paint yourself we're going to be the the guy who leads them back up to what they used to be you're not but you can at least tell yourself that you're going to do that and in having a dig at winning a trophy I guess is, is my my thing with it is. At Liverpool, he's going to have some sort of part in a potential trophy success rather than going somewhere and not doing a lot. And I do think it would only take a few bad games and he'd find himself on a bench at another team. And then, as I said, you're going to find yourself thinking, was the view from the Liverpool bench worse than this view? Probably not. Colt Hero or legend? Colt Hero. He does remind me of uh, Batshuayi a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You have some damn respect. He's had some similar fortunes. Both Belgian, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. They... There we go. TK, should we do a quick bit on the uh, UFC and then uh, close the oh, show? Jack, did you watch the UFC? 
I didn't, I'm afraid, so I shall leave you here, boys. Bid you farewell. See you later, boys. Salah. Adios. All right, TK, UFC 269 we had this weekend. Um, I, I mean, we were quite far along in our predictions um, that we gave uh, last week. Won't <laughs> run through the whole card, but we'll gloss over the uh, kind of headlines as uh, as we got them. Taitu Avasa, whether you've seen this or not, says that he was confronted by an official who was trying to stop him uh, from jumping on the cage after his win. Um, reportedly, he uh, told the official there in Vegas, my fans want two things. They want to see me knock people out and they want to see me do shoeies. Um, I've got to go and do the other one. And then he did jump up on the cage, did shoeies. And uh, if you watch back, you'll see um, that guy from the board is trying to, I was going to say shoe him out of the back when he's uh, walking down the crowd doing multiple shoeies with people. On the <laughs> um, when you're a guy like him, is essentially, you don't need to win every fight. You probably need to, you probably just need to win two of every three. Yeah. Just keep yourself in there enough, probably in your best interest to not get too good, to be fair. You want to be on these big cards, in amongst the middle of it. You get, you get your bit of fame. No one's too fussed. Like, no one's expecting you to be anything that you're not. And more times than not, you get these fun moments. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, and, you know, you say you've got to win maybe like two of your three. The third one probably will be when you get a step up, maybe slightly, because ultimately, uh, in, as we know, in the heavyweights, you're basically a couple of fights probably away from a title shot at any point, yeah. really. So you'll probably have your step up and maybe come short. I, I mean, I think there's something there with him. I do think had he maybe earlier on applied himself a little bit more, there could have been something even even more. I think he's got really good hands. Mm-hmm. Um he beat Arlovsky, then he lost three in a row. The junior Dostoevsky yeah, one was expected. The Blagoy Ivanov one was one where it probably should have been expected. The guy is just a tough out. You, you can't just blow him out of there. Sergei Spivak was a, was a rough one, losing in Australia, um, arm triangle. And then he's been in there. Stefan Struve, that was a big fight, big fight to have. Um, a guy who's probably far more technically superior, but is also made of glass. And <laughs> when you're what six foot nine or whatever he is, your chin's not too far, too hard to find. You then fought a guy that doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, um, Harry Hunsucker. <laughs> Knocked him out in 49 seconds. Knocks out Greg Hardy in a minute and seven seconds. That was huge for him. Yeah, yeah. And then Augusto Sakai is probably around the same level as Greg Hardy, so. They're probably what, mid-ranked guys at heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think part of it as well, the right matchmaking in terms of styles, make it a fun watch. You know, him and Greg Hardy could fight 10 times and you'd watch it every time, wouldn't you? Because someone's getting chinned here. I think that's a big part of it at heavyweight, making the, the style matchup sort of fun. Because as we know, when it's not fun, it's, it's really bad. I don't know how active he wants to be. Um, I know he does have um, a little boy, and I assume when he returns back to Australia, he might want to stay there for a bit because it's so hard to get back um, <laughs> once you do leave. Um, uh, matchmaking isn't my specialty, but there's a certain guy that's fighting this weekend, assuming he wins and you yeah. get one more in. I think uh, I'm, I'm sure the UFC wouldn't say no to a title of us here. 
Derek Lewis main event. I think it make, makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? I think that's that's one where um, I'm almost certain it's going to happen at some point. They, they both win and lose enough uh, yeah. to keep them yeah. to keep them around. I don't think they're going to be rushing to give Derek Lewis a title shot anytime soon. And that's just what that's just one of them where it doesn't need to make any sense other than this is a fun fight. Yeah, I mean, both personalities and both can bang a bit. So it's just, uh, like you said, neither have a career based on uh, sort of not losing, do they? They both have a, like, we can lose as many as we want within reason. And uh, this is such a small weight weight division in terms of depth. And we're big enough personalities with enough about us that we're never going to be far from, a, if not headline the card, somewhere up near the top of the card. Yeah, it's like, I remember when they made um, Vicente Luque, Mike Perry, and Vicente Luque was on this like mad, he's on this mad run where he's mm. only losing to like the Wonder Boys. And for a second you were like, why? And it was like, oh, it's Vicente Luque and Mike Perry, like what explanation more do we really need to this? And that probably falls in that bracket. The numbers on that show would be huge. For everything wrong with Derek Lewis, he has to win one fight and everyone just pretends that hasn't happened before. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, as long as he doesn't lose this weekend, and I mean, he may still make it. If he loses, it just won't be quite as big. Um, I think it'd be crazy not to make that. Mm. So, yeah. To see Lewis in with like Rose and Strike or anyone like that, just just seem ready made, wouldn't it? It feels ready made. Yeah, I'm quite, I mean, I'm quite surprised they made the fight they have um, this weekend against Dorcas, but I guess they're just trying to gamble on maybe this guy's good, and if not. Everyone will tune in to see Derek Lewis anyway. So, yeah, let's make it. They're riding Lewis to the wheels fall off, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, elsewhere on the card, um, we had uh, Josh Emmett, Danny Ego won't speak much about Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munoz. As much as this was very impressive by Dominic Cruz, I thought it showed the best of Dominic Cruz, the worst of Pedro Munoz. <laughs> yeah, probably a fair take. Does it really do anything? Dominic Cruz, other than maybe assure him of whereabouts he is, because as people are talking about the Aldo fight, I'd much rather see Dillish or Aldo than I would Cruz Aldo. Like we've just seen what Aldo's done to Rob Font. I don't really have any desire to see Cruz in there with Jose Aldo anytime soon. You think he'd do the same to Cruz? I just think I think Cruz would get a bit of a pace in, to be honest with you. Really? Okay. I think, well, Aldo, the, the level he's showing... I mean, he did look unbelievable in the last one, I will acknowledge. And, I don't know, Cruz did look great. I guess I'm just saying it because I'd rather see... Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. When when Dillashaw or Aldo got me, I said to you, didn't I, that, that suddenly I just thought, oh, yeah, that's, I didn't know we needed that, and, yeah, we absolutely need it. Uh, whereas when Cruz, I, I understood why they were talking about it, but I didn't get quite the same amount. I wouldn't be fuming if they made it. When um, you're using Dom Cruz now, surely it's it's for the guys coming up. Yeah, maybe. And but then does him a... beating Munoz make him think that he's a bit better than being used as cannon fodder for the young guys? Probably. Well, not even like, because I think... Or a test, I, mean, I should say. Two guys, two guys I can say, I mean, Corey Sandhagen mm. and the guy that you probably want to get over 
if you're the UFC and you've got um, Marav Dvalishvili and you've got that guy there, yes. you've got Dominic Cruz there, the guy who you're not supposed to be able to wrestle. Um, I actually think that might be the fight they make, you know. Um, I don't know if he has a fight. But no, he doesn't. There you go. Santagen, they may want to keep out because I think if you assume oh well they're going to do Sterling Yan next aren't they then I think Dillashaw Aldo makes all the sense in the world um, Corey Sandhagen you probably want on the outskirts I, mean, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't hate Sandhagen Aldo to be fair to be honest with you but it basically whoever you want to go for the title fight after that one you probably put them in with them in with Dom Cruz next and hope they get the job done. Yeah, that's fair. Would you, would you hate um, Dom Cruz Chito Vera? No, no, I quite like that. Again, it makes make some level of sense. If, so it depends what Cruz wants to do, isn't it? It's, it's a it's an odd one because he obviously wants to carry on fighting, but you see, like he's not going to have a run at a title. No, you, you do kind of wonder what the see. what the end game is. I think he probably thinks he's at an advantage because he's not fought Yan yet. He's probably going through his mind. Um, I do have a fight lined up, but I was about to say... Ah, dare I say, and the guy we're about to speak to next, uh, Cruz doesn't fight too often. You'd imagine, what, six to eight months before you're going to see him in there again? Do you say to uh, Sugar Sean... Get a slightly higher win under your belt. Maybe, maybe you do someone like uh, Adrian Yanez if that's the path you want to go down. Um, two legit prospects, and then say the winner of you two can face Dominic Cruz. Probably does make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, probably does. Um, it's, it'd be interesting. Malley's pulled him out. Does putting Garbrandt in there with Sean next? I don't know how much that's doing for him. Still Garbrandt, but on one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year, you've just seen him get sparked. Yeah, again, you feel like if they're going to make Garbrandt O'Malley, Garbrandt probably has to get another win just about to just try and convince some people that he can he can still do it. It's, it's a hard road back for him now, isn't it, to convince you? And as Cruz, I think he, he would look at someone like O'Malley and he'd, that I think you could get him up for that. This is a guy regardless of how good he is at it, this guy loves the trash talk. This guy loves it when you get under his skin a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I, I think he would have a bit of chip. I think Cruz would have a bit of chip on his shoulder about people kind of talking like Amal is one of the best stand-up guys, isn't there? I think he'd have yeah. a bit of a chip on his shoulder about that, trying to sort of put this young guy back in his place. So I think that's uh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then upwards on the card from there, you had, yeah, Kai Car France against Cody. I don't know how much more needs to be said about that. A guy that didn't have a chin to begin with, cutting more weight off that in essentially starving himself for about eight months to get himself down to this point, never was going to end well. No, there was an odd sense of inevitability about it, wasn't it, when it happened? Literally, the first time he got touched, he was down. Yeah, and, and all the old habits we said about not really having a poker face, wanting yeah. to stand and swing. On. Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, it's, it's really hard to see what he does, which is a shame, because he's yeah. as entertaining as they can. But. Um, Jeff Neal, Ponzinibbio um, was what it was. Uh, Juliana Pena against Amanda Nunes. Um, 
Now, I imagine if you're still listening at this point, you do know the result of it. Um, if we if we jump straight to it, we obviously predicted on the pod. Obviously, we <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. Well, Chael Sonnen came out and said, "I would never call Amanda Nunes a quitter, but she quit." Quitting there. <laughs> yeah. Harsh or that the the choke looks worse every time you see it. And on paper, that doesn't harsh. Only that. I've heard Chael say this a lot that essentially if you get caught in any sort of like rear naked choke or anything like that that that's your way of tapping out without actually just going you know what walking out of there do you know what I mean so he's pretty consistent on that one so this is only an extension of this uh, that consistency I guess I see the point he's making the the more baffling thing was just that obviously she looked absolutely gassed pretty quickly and so, obviously, what's it they say about fatigue making cowards out of everyone? Yeah, well, he, so, he just says that uh, she just broke her physically to the point where she had to quit. Yeah, which is odd because it wasn't like it was like a it'd been a bloody battle or all at war in that first round. The first bit of action opened up in the second round, and Pena just looked the fresher, didn't she? Yeah, and she was the one sort of picking the shots and visibly hurting Amanda each time she landed. Yeah, that was strange. If, if it got down to the both of them swinging, that would be the person you'd predict to be having their hand raised at the end of it. Exactly. And, Leo, you know, it's very cliche and gets used to a lot of fights, but it did feel like who wanted it more Yeah. in that in those instances. And obviously Pena was the sort of the young, hungry challenger. Yeah, I was sceptical to bring this up. We do often avoid anything remotely political on here. Oh no. Pena at a point where she's kind of the, 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 the dime of the hour, like you can do no wrong in this moment. Her saying, I want people to look at me, I'm the first champion that gave birth to my daughter. Do you think that was like if you any kind of PR person you do have should be gripping you and saying, whether you believe this or not, let other people have this. Should it matter to you, you're the champ? Just shut up. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, it felt unnecessary, far from anything, didn't it? I mean, she's saying that she wants a belt made for her baddest mum. With a nice placenta colour on the belt or something. Yeah. Just just save this for another day. I, I look, this is to go against uh, you said about not making political. I'm always a little troubled when they hold, make the whole thing about being a mother anyway on there I mean it is pretty remarkable but if you want us to sort of treat you just the same as any other athlete kind of constantly bringing this up does seem to kind of fly in the face of that no one was crying more than Michelle Watson after Juliana Pena pointed out that she was a mother that's her whole shtick done for <laughs> yeah 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 just kills it it's, I get it I get it says she wants the immediate rematch um, says she needs some time to get some things in order first um, do you think part of it the fact that it was one of them where you kind of knew she was going to have to beat her twice and they alluded to as, uh, as much um, during um, the kind of post-fight celebrations mm-hmm. is it one where she kind of settled for it I'm, I know I can get this one back she, she didn't look as gutted as, as you might have expected. Um, I mean, in, in comparison, Ronda Rousey didn't show her face for 
months on end and then left the sport essentially because of this happening. Um, Amanda Nunes, there's being sporting and then there's almost looking like thought she was going to spray champagne on her. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I, I feel like I was doing an independent mode. There. I was about to say I found it a bit troubling, but <laughs> I, just thought, I just, I just thought, I don't. I, it sounds pretty horrible. Like I don't want to see that. Just no, someone I, when we're talking you up as being the, the the baddest on the planet. Someone like you cannot mess with this woman. She like there was people when they was doing the thing. I don't know you should. Well, she could beat up some guys uh, in the men's division because there's no competition for her here. And then it felt like you didn't have to rip the title off her. It was yeah, like that's true. You kind of just had to put your hand on it and say, um, "All right, this is mine now." Yeah, yeah, I firmly agree. I, I think there's um there's a line to be you can be sort of classy and respectful in loss, but also be absolutely devastated and gutted. And you yeah. didn't kind of feel like, did you? Um, it's an interesting thing. Just well, it's like the main event shows you that. Yeah, 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 true. It's an interesting um, sort of psychological thing with, and you have it a lot in boxing with these incessant rematch clauses. And in, in, in the case of Nunes, absolutely, she should be able to run it back. Yeah. When you've had the, the run she's had, you've earned that, right? But uh, yeah. the, the interesting thing is that I do think it creates an, okay, if I, I can always come again. I can always come back for it. You cannot... I know he's a he's a bit of an odd one anyway, but Joshua not being that gutted about the Ruiz loss because he knows he'll have another pop. Yeah. In the back of his mind, there's there's got to be even so if it's just for him. even yeah even if there's just a five percent of your brain that knows like well, you know having a, a retake on the exam, it's different to if you think right I've got a one hit at this and that's it. There is just a, a slightly different mindset. If 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 I just won the belt, I don't really want. The champ wrapping it around my waist and singing my phrases like oh, I'm just beating you. I've just I've just conquered you. I don't really want you almost taking a part of. So maybe I'm reading too much into it. I I'll just think lick your wounds right at the back and then maybe post a little something on Instagram a week later saying you're back ready for war and I'll just buy in again. Nunes <laughs> felt like like uh, the build up to the next one after everything that. Pena had said is probably going to be pretty respectful. It's going to be Nunes saying, oh, I'm sure she'll say she overlooked her. I'm sure she'll say, I appreciate now she's going to get all of me. I'm going to be showing I'm like champ 2.0. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's at least injected a bit of life into a division that really was gasping for air. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Since some weird Shevchenko fans claiming that she should get the next shot of the belt and then Nunes can fight the winner. Blimey. Bunch. The uh, it's another probably it looks if she does lose the rematch, it looks a, a big miss not getting Nuna Shevchenko on again, only because the the tear they're both on. I know we've seen it before, but you can at least sell as well that these are the two best do, women. Now it's they, a struggle. They panned to Kayla Harrison before the main event, um, who's an Olympic medalist. Um, she's just yeah. from PFL, where she's won that twice, I believe, and before the fight. Dana said it was it was going to be the biggest fight in women's history um, by some stretch, um, and that is he said it, it would have been the biggest fight. Oh god, <laughs> that is the old uh, GSP waiting in the crowd for McGregor, isn't it? Yeah, and the <laughs> fact that they showed her on the broadcast makes me think uh, they probably got a deal done, like they did with Askren, if you recall. 
yeah, yeah, and I do remember them kind of alluding to the Kayla Harrison thing as well, and yeah. something I watched in the, in the build-up. So again, another another cliche of potentially eyes off the ball. Yeah, in um, combat sports. Finally, uh, the main event. Um, I, I wouldn't say we we dismissed Charles Oliveira uh, last week. We we certainly maybe didn't give him the props that um, he deserved when it comes to his striking above all else. I mean, that man looked. I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. The this, this slickness, the way he was going to the body with those um, those like teak kicks, the the jumping knees into the body, that just the way he was putting everything together. But if Max Holloway did that, we'd be calling it poetic on a mm. Monday on a Monday evening. Yeah, the the rate of improvement he's had is unbelievable, isn't it? Just it's one of the rounds of the year for sure. That was insane. Mm. I thought Dustin kind of summed up what we all thought. Um, he said I, I didn't think he'd be able to take those shots. Well, I was hitting him with shots while I just I thought he'd go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dustin's hands looked good as ever, didn't they? Yeah, it's the uh, one Oliveira kind of stepped in as Dustin's throwing like an overhand. It's like, how the hell are you taking this? And we've seen the best guys in the division not be able to as well. So it's certainly uh, I mean, we we can we can write off the quitting thing now, by the way, because the, the guys had opportunities when it's got tough after that first round. Yeah, exactly. Oliveira for the second fight in a row had taken some bumps, and he had the chance to to pack it in. Um, so whether people will still say, oh, well, it's always in you until we see it again, I'm, I'm not going to be going into future fights saying, oh, we've seen him quit before. Like, if anything, if you if you start piecing him up in the first round, be terrified of the second because you've just seen what he's done to poor Ian Chandler now after he's, uh, they've nearly cleaned him out in the first round. He's done that in the second. Unbelievable. Because I'm, I'm as big a Gaethje man as uh, it gets in the idea that he's just going to ride in there, see the first round out, and then kind of put a world of pain on him. Gaethje doesn't take a shot as well as some people may, may like to say that he does. No. He, he seems to have a knack of being able to stay in there. But the accuracy of the striking in which Oliveira had, like, it, it may be what we used to say with McGregor, like, look, if you can get out that first round, because Gaethje, Gaethje's going to have to go for a hell if he wants to break Oliveira, and he absolutely can, but that as a title fight is just... As good as it gets, isn't it? Yeah, as good as it gets. Um, The beauty of them is they both sort of choose violence, but have a huge skill set that this could like... Is it kind of like anything if they want it to? um, People like they like in the uh, Nunes fight are Calling Dustin, saying Dustin quit. Now that one seems today. particularly harsh. Yeah, I think like I don't know with some of them, like the likes of Nate, Connor, Chandler, probably just ignore anything they say because if they don't yeah. want that fight, they want the Oliveira fight. Yeah, um, yeah. But I was seeing suggestions from others, like I oh, should have just kind of jumped and dunked Oliveira on his head. And when you hear commentary, usually. I know it's, it's desperation mode, which Dustin may not have thought he was in at that point. Usually when you jump back or you jump forward, all you do is make the choke tighter. You push yourself in deeper. It's like something you're told not to do. As much as when we're watching it, we might say, just jump forward or <laughs> break it or whatever. 
these guys' grips are like superhuman. Like they yeah. are coming off just because you fall forwards. I don't know. I, I thought it gave a certain level of legitimacy to Oliveira that he, we should have been talking about already. But it, it solidified that, and unless he unless he can go and uh, rebuild and come back, it's it's gonna. I mean, Dustin's labelled with the nearly man tag even more than he was before. Yeah, it's brutal for him, isn't it? Because <laughs> this is a, a stupid thing to say, but with a different champion, he can probably win it. Khabib's just Khabib. And Oliveira yeah. is probably better than any of us thought. And stylistically, it's probably a, a, a nightmare for everyone, isn't it? Because of the, the height, the, the variety he's got, that we always knew what he could do on the ground, but his striking now is just unbelievable. So you're... I strangely, he's a real conundrum. I strangely think, for as good as his jujitsu is, the way to beat him is to put him on his back. In this point, um, and I think yeah. others have looked to beat him that way before. But good luck while you're yeah. down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a like, brave strategy. Like Makachev's style is probably he's not. Gonna, well, he, may, he may try to entertain him on the feet, I don't know. Um, but for as long as Oliveira is champ, there's there's some unbelievable matchups out there. Yeah, I think that, that probably also did do a lot for him to as, as an attraction, as someone was going to be entertaining. I think that sold him well as well. Now he's had yeah. two entertaining fights where once upon a time I was saying, well, they don't, they don't want him as champion because they're obviously yeah. a Brazilian and Maybe doesn't always have the most appealing style, but now I think he absolutely does. He's you could pick anyone in that group, and you'd be you'd want to watch. Do you think Dustin retires? Well, I mean, I think now they probably do run it back with Connor again. I don't necessarily know if I like that, but I think they probably I think will. He calls that Nate. Yeah, maybe he could be. The fight, was booked, the fight was booked before. Yeah, he pulled out with an injury, and Nate seems to ha- Nate. Looks he always goes fight. after him, doesn't he? He see he must see something in that fight mm. because there's no other reason you should be calling for that fight above the McGregor fight. No, that's it, isn't it? It's odd. I, I guess he sees he hits hard, but he do, he's not slumping people. And Nate probably thinks he backs himself in a war of attrition over anyone. And Dustin's going to give it to him. Yeah, and I think if he does genuinely think he quit in that. I think Nate probably thinks he can get the quit out of him. And I think they probably do it at um, upper weight just so they're both a bit more comfortable, as Nate seems to like these days. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. And let's face it, it's just a... It's not a fight that's going to lead to a belt, you would imagine, but it's just a big fight. No, it's probably going to so be... You may as well do it whatever. Like a flyweight title fight or something. Yeah, where yeah, it's probably bring it. the names in and then you have the belt above it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. So that well, makes a certain level of sense, doesn't it? Even yeah. the, the thing for Nate is that the power of both of them, he could could lose to Poirier and you still have the McGregor fight there if you wanted. I mean, yeah. I think we're really testing how well that thing can last, but they'll probably do everything they can. Yeah. Um, I think that should just about do us. I mean, we got the last UFC event of the year this weekend, I believe, a while ago. At some point within the next, or at some point next week, uh, me and Rory will be releasing um, 
the Protect Your Neck end of year UFC roundup. We've got the Christmas special next Monday. We've got a Christmas episode of Movie Madness this Thursday and then next Thursday. So plenty more to get into uh, before then, but this will be the last week uh, properly talking sport until uh, after Christmas. So thank you for listening. What movies have you we'll got this week? Uh, we're not. We're, we're doing a, uh, uh, essentially, it's, it's just going to be some clips from previous uh, Christmas interviews that didn't get released on the feed. Oh, nice. So thanks again for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.